they say that in order to be in a relationship, that you have to be in a relationship with yourself first. And I definitely think that that's true. But today I want to talk about what it's like growing with your partner and how to keep that love alive and when it's likely time or when you're identifying where you've grown apart and how that might impact your self-love and how you kind of come back to each other. This is definitely an interesting topic, but it's engagement season, so I felt like this was super relevant. Buckle in, people. It's Kylie Sis. This is a really interesting time because December is my husband and my 15 year dating anniversary. I honestly never thought I would have 15 years of anything, let alone a relationship. I think 15 years is like longer than I ever thought I would even go to school, if I'm being totally honest. But I am so proud of that fact. And this was an easy relationship, but also not easy. Like if I think back to when we first started dating, I feel like I am a completely different person. Like what motivated me then versus what motiv motivates me now are two totally like different ends of the spectrum. I think I always think of my guy friends when I'm thinking about recording something because I feel like if they were to listen to this, they would laugh because Honestly, sometimes I feel like some of my guy friends that are my husband's best friends who kind of adopted me, like saw me at some of my best and saw me at some of my worst, but never judged me for it or really like gave a shit because it was just like, you know, with them, I could be totally bratty. I could also be very honest and direct. I could also be super emotional. And I feel like there comes with some semblance of safety in that where... I didn't always necessarily feel that with girlfriends in the same way because it's almost like there's always this layer of judgment. So when you find a partner whom you love and then you meet their friends who also offer this level of safety to you, it's such a unique space to be in. But one thing that I think is definitely interesting when you look at relationships from people who have been together for a long time, similar to my husband and I, is you kind of have to look at where the beginning of the relationship started and where the relationship is today. And then that middle area where, you know, you might have had like a pause, like we've never actually had a pause in our relationship. We've never said, okay, we're going to break up and then we're going to get back together because there was this magnetic like pull that we didn't want to get rid of because it felt so good at the time, but it wasn't necessarily the best thing for us. We never had that. So we've just been together this whole time. And I think it's just so interesting for couples like us who, when we first started dating, there wasn't an Instagram. So this comparison 
syndrome that I feel is so rampant today on dating apps like Tinder or, you know, on Bumble or even through TikTok and social media that just didn't exist in our world back then. And I feel like it would have been so much harder for me if it had, because I think I would have been one of those jealous, insecure girlfriends who would have been checking the social medias, like give me your fucking passwords <laughs> so I can see who you're talking to. If you open your app, I'm gonna be a hawk over your goddamn shoulder to make sure that you're not looking at someone that's prettier than me. Like that was literally the level of my insecurity at the time. And that's not okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just not. so. That level of trust was a bit foundational at the time because the only true comparisons that we had were our friends or, you know, the other sisters, quote unquote, from our sorority and the other girls at school. And at the school that we went to, the Greek life was, it, to us, it seemed like, you know, middle small to like medium size, but it was probably super small comparatively to other schools like a UCLA or some of the huge huge campuses. Ours was a commuter school, so it wasn't very big. So I feel like to a degree that was honestly helpful for me because the level of competition was smaller. And I know I'm starting this off by talking a bit more about like selfish, egotistical things that come with a relationship. But I feel like if you're someone like me, and if you listen to my last episode where you kind of heard that I dealt with body image issues from a very early age, a very early age that turned into, you know, a full-blown eating disorder, then when you first enter a relationship, some of those things are incredibly difficult. And for me, I always felt like my self-worth was placed on outside opinions, like what other people saw of me and thought of me basically equated how positively I felt about myself. And that's such a hurtful place to be. And I was so stuck in this ego mindset. And I keep mentioning like this ego mindset, and this is based on some of the, you know, truly like self-help that I've been working on, trying to identify what my shadow self is. And what a shadow self is, is it's basically when you look into the worst parts of yourself and what drives your ego because your ego is that voice inside your head that continuously tells you things like you're not good enough you're not worthy enough you'll never look like that you'll never be as smart as that person you'll never have a relationship like that and it tells you these narratives that if you say them over and over again it becomes your truth and my truth at that time was heavily based on what my ego was telling me about. I couldn't look like that. I wasn't meant to be that body shape. I was never going to find someone who truly loved me. And I also think that before I met my husband, my now husband, we started dating when I was 19. So uh, I wasn't ready for marriage then, but, and my relationships before that, were such shit that I thought were love. Like I, I thought I was in love because I was so infatuated with someone or I was infatuated with this idea of someone wanting me so badly, even though the relationship was so unhealthy. So, I mean, I don't even know if I wanted to say what I wanted to just say, but I'm just gonna say it. Like my high school boyfriend literally spit in my face. My freshman year of college, he like would call me incessantly and just show up at my campus. He came on a sorority event with me. He broke the window on the bus, punching the window on the bus. I missed the award ceremony because he was so irate and like yelling and screaming at me in the hallway at the venue. I mean, it was just awful. Like 
And I brought that into my life by telling myself these negative things about myself. So I wanted to be single so bad <laughs> before I met my husband. I was so excited to just live my life and do whatever I wanted to do because I felt like I just need to find myself and that'll be fine. Literally within two weeks of being single, I met my now husband at a party between his fraternity and my sorority. And I remember exactly what I was wearing. Like I remember the date because it was the day after my parents' wedding anniversary when this party happened, school had just kicked off. And I remember having one of the most fun nights of my life at that party. I just was myself. I wasn't trying to be anyone else. I felt confident, I was having fun, I was drinking and just enjoying my damn self and honestly that freedom just felt so good. And lo and behold, I met someone who fell in love with who that person was. And at that time, I was a hot goddamn mess. I mean, if you look at what makes a relationship, obviously it's like trust and you know, common nature and having things in common. I can tell you the amount of things that we had in common other than liking rap music was probably so goddamn low that the likelihood of us ever working out, I mean, it had to be on the low end of the spectrum. And even girls in my own sorority were telling him like, don't date her, like she's mess. You don't wanna date her, you know, it's not gonna work out. And to those people I say, well, fuck you bitches because it did. <laughs> and our relationship is probably stronger than yours. So best of luck to all you bitches. Um, but truly, I think looking back and like for anyone who's just recently engaged or married, I feel like there are things that do go a long way towards having a partnership that feels like it's something that can last forever because when you, at least for me, when you first get engaged, that feeling of like, oh my gosh, someone wants to marry me. I'm going to be a wife. It's almost like this story. And for me, I told myself this for, you know, my whole life. Like I could not wait to be someone's wife. I couldn't wait to start having kids. I couldn't wait to have this ring on my finger, this like sparkler. I even told my husband, I don't care what this ring looks like. I just want it to be shiny as fuck. And mind you, of course I created the Pinterest pages like and dropped subtle hints and showed him Instagram photos. So like, of course, but I never went with him to get this ring. I actually did not want to do that. I wanted there to be some level of surprise or like some level of, oh my God, I don't know when it's coming, but I know it's coming. And I think, I think going into an engagement, I very much had this idea that like, oh, of course, you know, of course forever. But I feel like until you're actually in a scenario where you've gone through rough things as a married couple, it's very hard to understand the gravity of like forever. Forever is a long fucking time. One week during a hard week of marriage can feel like forever. So I think, it, you know, it, it, you can't see that until you're actually in it. So that's something that will probably fall on deaf ears for anyone who's like engaged to be married. I will say like, I love being married. <laughs> um, my parents have been together for 41 years. And I think that it's just an incredible thing to see. Like you change. And my mom was with my dad when she was 17. So, I mean, growing together versus growing apart is something that is truly an art. And when they say marriage is work, it is. But it doesn't always have to be. I think... I'm gonna jump into like some tips that I think, a few of them I actually shared at my sister's wedding, which was super recently. And by the way, she was literally the most beautiful bride ever 
if you ever want to feel bad about yourself, definitely take a look at my sister on her wedding day <laughs> because she just looked like a smoke show. Um, a sidebar. So one of the biggest tips that I think I have is that in a way, I almost thought that once we were engaged or once we were married, that things would like change somehow. Like, oh, it's going to be like, you know, we're going to call each other honey and we're going to do all these different things for each other. And it's like that courtship period is over. <laughs> that was one of my favorite periods. It's like being courted. You always want to feel courted. Like, hello, who does not want to feel courted? So I guess, you know, obviously they put in all of that work to earn you in a way that sounds really bad, but like, you know, I felt like my husband did a fantastic job of courting me. Like he was the sweetest, did such nice things for our one year anniversary. He literally flew us to LA, bought floor level seats for me to see Chris Brown, who was my absolute, like I was obsessed with him. I would sing all of his songs. I knew word for word. This was before the Rihanna episode, but like he was everything to me. And that was like the sweetest thing to show like, hey, I, I understand something that like, you know, you love and care about. And even if I don't, like I'm going to sit through it with you because it means something to you. Obviously. Oh, and he got me like Tiffany, a Tiffany ring, Tiffany necklace, coach shoes. Like, I mean, we were what, 1920. That was such a good gift. Like, oh my God, that was amazing. So anyway, my point is it's important to know that some of those expectations might not be met, but that is not because they don't still love you in that same way or all of that work that you put in to kind of, you know, hope that they choose you for life. It doesn't go anywhere. Like now you just put it forward in different ways. And I think one thing that some people might think if you're anything like me is I thought something might change in a degree when we got married. And it did, but it didn't. Like our partnership became something that was so much stronger. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's almost like if you're used, if you grew up in a household where your parents did a lot of things for you, so you're not used to having, like you're used to having other people do things for you, but not necessarily in a relationship, that can be a big thing. So like, I even remember thinking like how sweet it was if my, you know, if my husband would go grab something from the store and he would bring me something home from the grocery or something because he just knew I liked it. Like those are small things that actually start to mean so much when you're married. And I know that that sounds so silly, but you're not going through the courtship in the same way. Of course, you're still courting each other forever. Like that's the goal. You want this love story where you're always courting each other. But I think it's going to show up in different ways. So I think one of the most important things, because for me, I had a hard time, I think, during certain instances where I felt like, oh, you don't care about me. You're not showing me the same level of, you know, intenseness that I feel like happened before we were married. But that's because I was looking at things the wrong way. I was looking at things as though I was going, I was supposed to get this grand gesture. And sometimes this is tip number two. So pay attention to the small gestures because those small gestures build up to something so much better than a huge gesture that's just made for the benefit of someone else or like to please you because they feel like they have to. The small gestures make up the small nuances that show you that your partner knows you, cares about you, and is consistently thinking about you and doing small things that will hopefully make you happy. Tip number three, keeping score is painful and it will hurt you in the end. I am so absolutely guilty of keeping score because I think it's very hard and this is especially true when you have kids. 
and you're the mom when it's like i'm breastfeeding this kid i'm changing their diaper i'm with them in the middle of the night because of course they want their mom and they can't you know your husband can't breastfeed and before your baby takes a bottle like there are so many times when it's hard to feel like i'm the one doing everything and i am so guilty of this like keeping score causes fights because there are so many things that you're unaware of that your partner is doing and also feels that stress. So keeping score and then trying to throw it in each other's face during a fight is not going to serve anyone. I still have to work on this daily. Like there are little things that are always going to bother you, but honestly pick your battles because at the end of the day, those small nuances, I mean, unless it's something that's truly damaging to your relationship, but if it's something like they left another dirty dish for me to clean, that is a mind shift switch. Like, Maybe they were working late and like you, the last thing that they wanted to do was make a ton of noise when they know every single one, including your babies in the house is sleeping and be banging pots and pans around. And so they decided to come upstairs, brush their teeth and go to bed with you instead. Like there are little things that I think you can be so much more mindful of. That's something that I had a super hard time with. And it's very much, I think, at least for me personally, if you're feeling overwhelmed in your personal and emotional life, like from your mental and emotional state, it's incredibly difficult for every small thing to feel like a mountain that's put on top of your back. Like you're Louisa from Encanto. If you're a parent, you'll probably understand that. But it's like where everything is just piling on top of you and you feel like there's no way to climb out of it. And that's when you need to actually talk to your partner and say what you need. Like, I feel like I'm drowning because I have so much on my plate, you know, what would really help me is like, can you just put them to bed one night so I can take a bath and read one of my books and just like, I need time to decompress or I'm going to fucking blow. Sometimes they might look at you like you're nuts if they're like, there's not that much going on. But if you feel like there is, then it's you, it, it is like to you, that is your reality. And so finding ways where you and your partner can share what those realities look like and then find some sort of like a way to help each other. That's going to be a huge benefit because the last thing that you want is to just blow up on each other over something that's so trivial and stupid instead of just being able to actually say what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and how it's impacting you and how your partner can be helpful in that. I forget what tip number I was on. I think I was on number five, but we're just going to go with five. Tip number five, when people say, I'm not marrying their family, I'm marrying this person. That is not fucking true. You're marrying into the whole family. And if that means that there's... Like I would personally never feel comfortable marrying someone whose parents didn't like me. That's just not something that I would be comfortable with. I think a big tip is, especially if you're marrying someone who has a different background than you, who grew up in a different way than you, whose family speaks a different language than you, that is a blessing. Like I think being able to raise my children in like... I think being able to raise my children where they have a grandmother who speaks a different language than them, who practices that language around them, who speaks and cooks in the way that she was raised who's able to tell them stories about her life when she lived in Afghanistan like those are things to me that are so important and impactful I feel like that is a huge blessing being able to have that level of just I think the idea of raising 
bicultural children is so important. We have so much hate in the world today. And I just think that there is no room for that when it comes to raising your children. Like that is just not something that I'm okay with. But I think that those conversations are incredibly important to have in advance. Like my husband and I had so many conversations before we were married about what it's going to look like raising our kids. Like he's Muslim. So are they going to eat pork? Are they going to go to the mosque? You know, like, what is that going to look like? I don't practice. So do I go to the mosque and then leave my daughter by herself? Or do I not go? And then he only takes our son because he can't be in the same room with our daughter. And like, what does that look like? Does my mother-in-law take her? I don't know. It was like, there are all of those things that I think are incredibly important to think through. If you are entering into a biracial relationship and you're the one who like me, I don't want to necessarily say that I don't have a, a religion or like a background because I do absolutely. But it's not something that is as, uh, my upbringing wasn't the same as it. So like, we didn't go to church regularly. Like I chose to go to church on my own with some of my girlfriends. My family didn't take us. It wasn't something where Sunday morning we woke up and we knew we were going to church or like we prayed before we ate, you know, those sorts of things. So I think if you do have a religion, like if you find someone who's the same religion as you, and that's, you know, just easier and something that you're just so blessed to have great. But I also want to discount a potential partner because of it. I think um, one of the bloggers that I follow, Saison, and her husband, Stevie Hendricks, like their love story to me is just a testament to what, you know, like God in the universe can, can do when you actually have faith in the person that's in front of you. Like her family literally disowned her because he wasn't Kurdish and he didn't practice the same things as her. And like, I just can't imagine if my children ever came to me saying that they fell in love with someone who was a different nationality or race or was raised a different way and just saying like, Oh, well you're fucking dead to me. Like, no, I would never do that. I feel like I would want to embrace that so much and learn everything I could and dive into what it meant to be that other person and the things that meant something to them. The only reason where I feel like I would ever be not okay with that is if it somehow were to harm my child you know, I feel like that's also something to keep in mind is it's like, if you are in a multicultural relationship, you know, your children are going to grow up and they're going to have questions and you're going to have to be on similar pages when they start asking questions about like, well, who do I identify with? You know, why do I look more like this? Or why do I look more like that? And of course you don't have to start thinking through what all of those questions are going to be before you ever even have children. But it is important to identify that if you are planning on having children, that is going to come up at some point in time. So I, I think it's important that if you and your significant other, you know, have the intention of having children that you at least talk through that because I had to raise so many questions to my now husband before I felt truly comfortable that I could have kids and know that there were certain things that, you know, are they going to learn this language and speak it in front of me? And I'm going to have no idea what they're saying. And are they going to have a chance to like, talk back to me in a language I don't know, or talk shit to me in a language I don't know, or say something to my parents in a language I don't know, that's going to be super disrespectful. Like those were random things that went through my head that I was not comfortable with, but that now like that's the farthest thing from my mind. I also think when it comes to a marriage, like obviously if you've been together for, you know, any point in time, but trust is huge. Like I was a very jealous person in all of my previous relationships. And then when I started dating my husband, I feel like, I don't know why, but that the muscle that you continuously flex when you're 
a jealous partner is like every small nuance becomes bigger. It's like doing sit-ups until you have an eight pack. And like, once you have an eight pack, you can just sneeze and you can feel those muscles like within your stomach. Like, I don't know if that even makes any sense at all, but like, I feel like jealousy is truly like a practice. It's something that I was never proud of, but I felt like I could knock it out of. And I hated being that person in relationships, but my partners were always like that to me. So it almost just felt like something that I had to always be doing. Like, and if, if it was a competition, like honey, I was going to fucking win. So I think trusting your partner, if you have any doubts or reservations about how your partner acted before you were married, don't jade yourself and thinking like, because you're married, all of those qualities are going to disappear because that's just not, that's just not the case. And I think that also goes for the good qualities. Like if you're thinking like, oh, you know, I don't know. I guess this mainly comes to if you're feeling any discomfort over certain aspects of your partner's relationship, you or your partner, like, you know, that you exhibit, I think that it's important to keep in mind that that's likely not going to go away. Like just because you be, just because you become a spouse more officially through like that piece of paper really and having an actual wedding, it doesn't mean that anything about that other person is truly going to change. And I think that's like, that should have been tip number one. Don't anticipate that your partner is going to be anyone other than whom they've shown you that they are capable of being up until this point in time. One thing that is definitely, I think one thing that's really interesting too about when you actually get married, this isn't a tip. This is more just an observation. You go, my experience before I got married was like, you spend so much time with your girlfriends and then you only see your partner like here or there, especially if you're not living together. So being around them is like the most special thing in the entire world because you love that person and like you're intoxicated in their presence almost, you know, in this, in this really fun and exciting way. But you spend so much time with your girlfriends. And then one thing that was almost like a shock to my system when I finally moved in with my significant other after like literally six years of dating was not because your girlfriends don't matter to you anymore or vice versa, but it's like when you have a built-in roommate and like a built-in best friend and your new and your partner, like when you're living together, you have less of a need to always be around your girlfriends because you know, those were the people that you were around when your spouse wasn't available or your partner wasn't available or you couldn't see each other. You lived in different cities. And that's one thing that I feel like is really hard to continue to foster when you get married is like, how do you continue to keep those friendships alive when you're both married? And obviously it's a huge benefit if your partner like if your spouse is friends with your friends' spouses, because then you can actually do things together. But one thing that's really hard is if you like aren't always on the same page in terms of like the type of money you want to spend or the type of activities you want to do or the type of vacations you want to go on. And that's okay. You don't have to be like at all. But I found it to be a little bit of a shock to my system that once you're married, you're not going to hang out with your friends as much. And like, I have this, I just feel like I am always kind of missing some of those just like, don't take this the wrong way, but like girl on girl (laughs) interactions. Like I miss just being with my girlfriends. I haven't done a girl's trip. Like, I don't even know how long, six years, maybe even longer. And like, I, I don't know. I feel like that's something that I miss a lot for me. 
relationships are a really big part of what makes me happy. And like my energy is not depleted when I'm around people that I love or really want to be around. And like when you can just truly be yourself and laugh and make fun of each other and, you know, obviously you want to hopefully have that in your spouse, which I feel like I do, but you also still need your friends. Like, I think that's one thing to keep in mind. This is like a tip number six, getting married is so much fun or it should be. And like, it's amazing, but you don't always have to do everything with your spouse. Like you can find time and your spouse should not give a shit. If you want to go do something with your girlfriends and vice versa, like, yeah, it can be annoying if you're like, really, you're going to go golfing again. Or like, really, we're going to watch football for 1200 hours in one day again. And you're just going to sit here and eat hot Cheetos and ignore me like great. But then go do something with your friends. You don't have to sit there together. You don't have to act like you're fucking interested in football or that you care about golf or that you give a shit about any random sports thing that they want to do. That is so not a requirement. Like, honestly, God, how boring. Like some of those things I actually do like. I do have a fantasy football team because it's honestly kind of fun. Like, and I want to win. I'm competitive. So I signed up for that shit because I'm like, sign me up. If I can win some money from, you know, watching these football games or whatever, then fuck yeah. But I usually do my own things when the games are on and like hear from him later how my players are doing because I want to do my workouts or like if the kids are napping, I'm going to go do something else. So keep that in mind. Like their hobbies don't always have to become your hobbies. That's not a requirement when you, when you become married, of course, if you're like interested in them, like great. Like I got so much knowledge on basketball more than I ever thought I would because my husband plays basketball and that was like his life before he met me, his first true love, his last true love. (laughs) Um, but it's not a requirement. So, and same, like if there's something that you really love, like swimming, I don't know, I'm making that up. I hate swimming. I love the water, hate swimming, but like they don't have to be in love with something that you're in love with either. And like, that's when you should go and do something with your girlfriends or your, your guy friends or whomever. Like, you know, I think that that's just something to keep in mind. And then I think one of my last like tips, and I think this is one of the hardest things is like, how do you remain authentically you in a relationship after you're together so long? Because I've definitely seen couples where it's almost like they adopt each other's styles or how they were when they were single almost seems to disappear when they become a married couple where it's like, they have to think the same and say the same things and want the same things. But remember that you're two completely individual people that are choosing a life together for reasons that, you know, only you truly know, like obviously mutual love and respect and excitement for a future together, but you're still two individuals like building this life together. So don't lose that individuality that made you such a special component to your relationship in the first place where you lose or start to lack some of that like lust for loving yourself because sometimes that's something that's hard for me is it's like I feel like I'm a little bit of a chameleon I can really get along with a lot of people you put me in a situation I can find someone I get along with but if you're doing that because you feel like you need to and not because it's actually something that you really want to do or you feel like you're adapting who you are based on other people's expectations of how you should be acting that becomes a hard act to keep up all the time and you shouldn't have to like the only person you should continuously be trying to impress is yourself. And on one of my Peloton rides, I think it was Robin Arzon. Again, she's like, I just find 
I can't even take her classes all that much because I feel like she goes too deep and sometimes I'm not ready for those lessons. But one of them that she said was, it's me versus me, like no one else. It's me versus me. And I think that's something incredibly powerful to keep in mind. It's you versus you. Like you were always your biggest critic, your biggest competitor. Don't pin yourself against yourself like support yourself and do what's needed. At the end of the day, you entered into a partnership with this other person because you love them and they love you and you want to build this life together. But in allowing yourself to build the best life you possibly can, you have to be your true authentic self. And if you weren't that when you first started dating, like I wasn't, hopefully by the time you get, you know, 15 years into dating, you'll find who that is. And I think I'm just going to close this one by saying that you know, as you grow up together from like 19 to where I am today, do the math. I think it's important to figure out ways to grow together and not to grow apart. And I like truly, truly think that the reason that we remained growing together is like honestly huge kudos to my husband because he always saw the good in me when I was incapable of seeing it for myself. And sometimes that's the most important thing that you need to kind of help you get through all of those hardships is having someone who just at the end of the day is like, you don't need to have makeup on. You don't need to be a size, whatever. You don't need to look like that. Like you're only competing with yourself. I've loved you from the beginning. And like, of course, you know, I think you're beautiful, but at the end of the day, like who you are is beautiful to me. And like the mom you are is beautiful to me. And the wife you are and all of the effort that you put into making our life and our marriage and our home, like feel like home and be somewhere that's like a safe place for all of us. That's the most important thing. So I think as you're growing together in your relationship, it's important to allow room for yourself to grow, but be very mindful that you're not stifling your partner in that process and be mindful that they may not understand all of the different phases of growth you're going through and getting where you are today. I highly, highly doubt that my husband has like, you know, all of the insight that I have right now into all of the work I've done to grow myself. Actually, I think he has a very decent idea of all of the work I've done to grow myself today to the person that I am today. But also understand, like for me, that work is never going to stop. Like I want to continue growing and being the best person I can be and being the best mom I can be, being the best wife I can be. And I guess this is my last tip also is when you become a mom, you're going to put so much effort into those kids that it is going to be hard to keep that spark alive. You're not always going to feel good. You're going to be exhausted. You're not going to want to always... You're not going to make time for date nights all the time. That's going to be something that absolutely falls by the wayside. Like if you need something, you're going to have to ask and make it really fucking clear, like what you need and how it's going to allow you to be a better mom. Like recently we're looking for a nanny because I'm very much aware that my work and the level in which I need to operate to maintain the high like caliber performance that I placed upon myself is not possible unless we have someone here at the house to help with our son. Like he needs a lot of attention and I just am incapable of doing it. And of course, no, I'm not leaving someone else to raise him. But like, I do need help during the day when I have calls to ensure that I can focus and be present. And that's like one of my biggest lessons is like, try to focus on maintaining your presence in the moment because it's incredibly easy to get distracted and look on your phone and go on Instagram and do all of those things. 
but especially if you're with your spouse and you have any time by yourselves, try to at least make one night where you can just put your phones down. Like their group text messages with a hundred million fucking guys talking shit to each other and sending tweets that can fucking wait for 30 minutes, you know, and try to make some of the small things special. Like even if it's just laying in bed together, try to snuggle or hold hands or, you know, like straddle them on the sofa. Who knows? Like get wild with it. Do it. Try to keep that marriage alive in whatever scenario you're in today. Like whatever truth that is for your relationship today, don't let it die. So I actually had no notes for this entire podcast. So I hope that this one was at all helpful and that you learned something because this was really just a long ramble session. And I think, you know, it's important to keep in mind that if you haven't found that special person yet, that doesn't mean because there's something wrong with you. That doesn't mean because they're not out there. But I also think that if you're one of those people who was so picky that everything is wrong about every single person, you also have to kind of go a little bit inward and see, like, are you making realistic expectations or are you placing that level of expectations on yourself? Are you asking all of those things from yourself where you're placing this impossible level of detail on what someone else should be providing for you? Because if you are, then there's likely something that you're missing internally that you can be working on yourself to make sure that you're giving yourself all the things you need, because the moment that you start giving yourself all those things that you need, you're likely to find someone who's going to help kind of empower those things instead of feel like you're only going to get your self-worth from someone else. That's like literally another tip is that you, you should never place your self-worth in someone else's hands. That is not something that is up for exchange. Like that is zero debate. That is something that I will stand tried and true by your self-worth is only this is again that me versus me your self-worth is something that only you can meet your self-worth is not something that is based on how long your eyelashes are what color your eyes are or you know how plump your skin is and mind you all of those things I actually do care about but like that does not mean that I'm worthless if I don't have fake eyelashes if I don't have mascara on, like all of those things, if I don't have perfect straight teeth, like those are all things that who you are inside means so much more and you will bring so much more value to the world, to your family, to your spouse, to your children. If you're able to just focus on the things that you do bring and also really focus on your strengths. Like this is one thing that I've taken into consideration as I'm a manager is like, you can't literally ask someone who's around, who's like, you know, a square peg to fit in a round hole it doesn't work. You have to find like the individuality and in each person. And then this is hard. This is why it's hard to be a manager. This is also why it's hard to be in a relationship. Like you can't mold someone into something that they're not and expect that if you push hard enough that they're going to change because you're just going to push someone to a breaking point and you could lose something that was really, really awesome. So I guess what I'm going to leave this with is focusing on yourself is going to make you the best partner and also being mindful of what you need, asking for what you need. And lastly, don't anticipate that anyone can read your thoughts. And this also goes for friendships. Even if your friends know you so well, or you think that they should be able to, there is so much going on in everyone else's life. Like you just have to ask for things if you want them or spell things out. Like 
And you can't anticipate that from your partner either. Super interested to know what everyone thought about this. Leave me a comment or shoot me a text. And also, if you just found this on Spotify, you can find me on Instagram at Kylie Mojadidi. And my blog is www.tanandwild.com. Stop by, leave me a message, shoot me, you know, shoot me your insight, drop a comment on this. And also feel free to rate this if you feel like this is a podcast that you're finding is interesting so far. Tune in next Tuesday for a brand new episode of Kylie Says.